Hey, it is, uh, it's, good to, it's good to gather and to worship. I love that last song so much. It's the idea when Jesus is in the room, when he's in the house, everything changes. And he's here tonight, okay? He's here. And boy, as we go through this night, the, the emphasis is going to be on healing. You already know that. Uh, two things are going to happen. Numbers of us are going to be better equipped to pray for the sick. And we're going to start see, seeing healing through our prayer ministry for the sick. And so, yeah. But also, a, a, a whole lot of us are going to get healed tonight. There are going to be people healed tonight, okay? So that's, that's good. Let's, let's, um, so we can get there, we're going to receive an offering right now. Not exactly that, not so we can get there, but we're going to do this first, we're going to get this done so we can get to that, okay? Um, we want to give a love offering to Jim, and what that means is that, um, you, know, you know, Jim here, he, he left his home, he left his family, he left his church, he left his wife at home because she's on staff there and had duties she had to take care of, and he got up early this morning and drove all the way down here to minister to us, and we want to bless him for that, and and he has pressed into things that we're pressing into. And he's ahead of us. As, as, as we saw in the message this morning, he's ahead of us in understanding of finances. And so he's coming here, and, and the years he's poured into studying finances, he's pouring into us right now. And he's releasing things to us. And the same thing is true in healing. And, and so it's only right. In fact, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians Six uh, fourteen, he said, it's nine nine fourteen. He said, so also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. And so when someone is set aside in their life, committed totally to, to proclaiming the gospel, and by gospel it doesn't mean just telling people how they can accept Jesus and go to heaven when they die, but the whole proclamation of the kingdom. And that, that's what Jim's doing. And so um, if you reach down to the right, left side of the row, if you're in that, the left side, or slide over there, please, and grab a basket. And give generously, because we really want to bless this guy. Um, don't you love him? I mean, wasn't that this fantastic this morning? Yeah. Uh, make checks out to this church, and then we will make one check out to him. And I, and I promise you this, every dollar that's given here in this room right now will go to Jim, okay? So... Checks make out to Vineyard Northwest, and uh, cash, just drop it in the plate, okay? All right. Well, uh, we had a great time with Jim this morning, just insight after insight, and uh, what, what would we, we would call revelation, which means truths being put together in a way that we would never get just with our own intellect. It takes the Holy Spirit to show us, and boy, it's when you have revelation into truth, in, into the things of God, that's what changes our lives. That's what opens up faith in so many avenues of uh, God's work. So I'm going to, without further ado, welcome Jim Baker back up. Jim, come on up. Let's welcome Jim. Bless you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Hey, hey. Rowdy bunch in here tonight, I tell you what, that's going to be good. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. One thing that's good to keep in mind in healing is it's always good to remain a novice. 
You know, it's just always good just to remember that we're never going to get good at healing. He's the one who's good at healing. Healing only gets difficult if you think it has a whole bunch to do with you. Here's our part. In the name of Jesus, be healed. His part, the rest. Really, they, they, we weren't told to figure out all these complicated things. What's the source of this thing? Is it psychosomatic? Is it a childhood trauma? In the name of Jesus, be made whole. That's your part. So let me ask you this. Let's just do a quick thing here. I want you to turn to your neighbor, answer this question in 30 seconds here. Um, what do you feel is your biggest hindrance to healing? Whether it's receiving healing or seeing more people healed. Just turn to your neighbor, just a quick 30 seconds, 15 each. What do you feel is your biggest hindrance to healing? And if you're not sitting by anyone, you're allowed to talk to yourself. We won't think you're weird. But if you answer yourself, that's weird. If you're sitting extra and extrovert, um, have them stop talking and it's your turn to talk now. There you go. That wasn't a word of wisdom, it's just experience. Because I am one. There we go. All right. Uh, let's, let's just get a couple of things. I'd just love to hear from a couple of people. Just raise your hand. What, what are uh, some of the uh, biggest hindrances to healing? Anybody? Just doing it. There you go. Do I hear? Courage. Yeah, it does take courage. Anyone else? Insecure, yeah. Anyone else? Yeah, back there. Praying and not seeing it happen. Boy, I'm glad that's never happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I got stories. All right. Um, uh, yeah, anyone else? Yeah, right here. Yeah, fear not believing God is going to do his word. That stuff's all real. And so let me, let me just boil it down to you, uh, okay? So are you ready for this? Your biggest hindrance to healing is that you believe there's a hindrance to healing. Okay, so Jesus said this, he said, if you believe and not doubt, you can have whatever you say. And so here's what a doubt is. A doubt means I'm going to disqualify myself from God's promise because of this reason. Well, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough anointing. I don't have enough courage. I don't have enough this and that. Whatever that is, that's called a doubt. And it, it disqualifies you from the promise. And he says, if you don't have doubt, all it takes is a mustard seed sized faith. So what I found is if we could slay those doubts, then it doesn't take a whole lot to see healing work. Does that sound good? Here's the problem is we have had about 1,500 years worth of doubt sewn into the church throughout church history. We really have, I'm not not trying to put anything down. It's just, it's just a fact. What happened is people um, were getting martyred for Jesus and they were seen as the highest form of, of, you know, giving their lives for Christ. And then, uh, uh, with um, Constantine, he gets saved and he kind of legalizes Christianity, makes it the, the national religion. So now there's no more martyrs. And so what some of the, um, the spiritual people did is they began saying, well, if you will suffer sickness for Jesus, then it's the same as suffering martyrdom for Jesus. And so they began to exalt it. And here you get all this garbage that Jesus never taught. And so um, our mindsets are the biggest hindrances to people getting healed and not demons. I'm going to say it again, just in case you think I was kidding. Our mindsets are the biggest hindrances to people getting healed, not demons. So we're going to do a confession. Confession means you're going to say out loud, and as you say it out loud, it's going to reinforce what you actually believe. So I'm going to say it, you repeat it after me. Healing is not my idea. Healing is not my idea. 
Healing is God's idea. I'm not trying to convince him. He's trying to convince me. Let's close in prayer. Gang, if we got that, we'd get the whole thing. What if healing's way easier than you ever thought? What if you didn't need triple portion anointing and all sorts of a special mantle and hands laid on you by this person? I'm not against people laying hands on you. We do it all the time. But if you're depending on that, you're depending on something other than Christ. If you're constantly looking for them to call out your word of knowledge with your color shirt and the very conversation you had in the car, you're not depending on Christ, you're depending on a gift. So many people don't know that God already wants them well. He already said yes 2,000 years ago. He can't unsay yes. By his stripes, you were healed. He bore your sickness, carried your pain. By your stripes, he was healed. If you're waiting for Father to say whether or not he wants you healed, you just need to look at his son. God would no more rather have you in sickness than he would rather have you in sin. Sin is to the soul what sickness is to the body. It's a result of the fall of man, and he came to solve both of them all in one equation. You're never going to get healed with any kind of consistency or see people healed until you know it, get the cell in your heart. God wants you well every time. Gang, that was an old covenant promise. <laughs> I am the Lord your healer. I remove sickness and disease from your midst. Exodus 15, 26. It repeats it in Exodus 23, verses 23 through 25. It promises them pure water. Your women will never miscarry. Your crops will never fail. And I am the Lord your healer. I remove sickness and disease from your midst. That was an old covenant promise. Now we've got new promises with better promises with a better covenant. And that was old covenant stuff. We got something even better, which means it gets to flow through you too and not just receive healing. Let's just say it one more time. Healing is not my idea. Healing is is God's idea. idea. I'm not trying to convince him. him. He's trying to convince me. I can see some of you just as hopes beginning to glimmer. I can just see this this lion and this lioness starting to rise in there. It's, it's a good thing. It's okay for this holy, righteous indignation at that sickness to come. I want you to get this. Steal, kill, and destroy is someone else's job description. Somehow, in some people's minds, Jesus and the devil have switched job descriptions. Well, it's the devil who's uh, doing those lying signs and wonders, and it's God who's giving them sickness. What are you talking about? Where are you getting this from? The devil steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus came and healed. Uh, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with them. Well, sickness makes you more like Jesus. Uh, that's impossible. Jesus wasn't sick. Don't make me do another hashtag, duh. I guess I just did. Why don't you receive Christ as healer the same way you received him as Savior? I want you to think about how you receive Christ as... uh, I've had to examine my own beliefs and I realize I'm not receiving him as uh, healer the same way I received him as Savior. Sailor. (laughs) My sailor, yeah. I don't even want to go there. I'm already in a goofy mood. So... um, So when you recognize him as Savior, you recognize, you know what, there's nothing I can do to earn this thing. He completely paid for it, and so you receive it. Listen, you recognize that he was your Savior before you were even saved. 
Recognize you paid for that, even though I haven't experienced it yet, you paid for this thing. And I believe that was enough. And then it came into your experience. And then there's times you're probably walking around and you're like, I don't really feel saved. But hold on, it's not dependent upon my feelings. It's not dependent on my behavior. It's dependent upon what he did for me 100%. And you look back on that and those feelings begin to come back. Is that how it works? But here's what happens in, uh, for healing for me. What's happening is I was waiting until I saw healing. Then I would believe he was my healer. Here's what the Bible says. It says believe and then receive. Most Christians are trying to do it backwards. They're waiting to receive first, then I'll believe as healer. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to say that I'm believing it, and then it not happening, and then I must mean I don't believe it. They get all these crazy... Listen, guys. Here's what Old Covenant faith was. Um, you just had to raw grit believe it. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Adam. By faith. Remember the Hall of Faith chapter in Hebrews 11? By faith, by faith, by faith, they did this. We look at that, and we think that's supposed to be our example of faith. It's not. Look at the end of the chapter, and it says, but now there's a better way. The whole book of Hebrews is a better way. Um, uh, the angels came and brought the law. Moses brought the law. But now there's something better. Jesus brought a new covenant. I mean, there's this whole better thing. You know, Jesus is better than the angels. For which of the angels did he say, my son, I give you the earth? But this whole thing, it's a better way, better, better. The whole word, the whole word throughout the book of Hebrews is better, better, better. And when you get to Hebrews chapter 11, and now there's a better way. Here's the better way of faith. Rather than just, ah, you're going to go Goku going super Saiyans. Ah! Oh, come on, Dragon Ball Z fans. Come on. I love me some gyron on the new one, by the way. All right. Anyway, it's not just this raw gut, just feel it. Okay, here's what it says. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Faith is a reflex of action that comes out of seeing Jesus clearly. Faith is like an eyeball. An eyeball looks out. If somehow I took out my eye and turned it in, it's no longer functioning as an eyeball. Faith looks at Jesus. Faith doesn't look to see if I have enough faith. That's not faith. Faith looks at Jesus. Faith doesn't look to see, am I feeling anointed? I don't have any electricity in my hands. I don't feel any heat in my hands. I've been in those meetings and I'm sorry, I hate these meetings. How many of you hold out your hands in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. How many of you are feeling the anointing on your hands? So it's 10% of the people, come forward. And the rest of us are sitting there going, I guess I must not have a healing anointing. You got something better than healing anointing. You got the healer living on the inside of you. And he wants out. I'm not trying to put down feeling it, but if you're going to, a lot of people, they don't feel like anything's going to happen if they're not feeling the anointing. You're putting your faith in your feelings and not your faith in the finished work of Jesus. When he said, it is finished, he didn't say, I'm finished, I'm done, I'm out of here with these people. He says, it's finished. Everything that needs to be done to reverse every effect of sin on mankind has been done. I'm done now. And he cries out, my bride, it's finished. Last thing he yells out, it's a homonym. Uh, it, it means, you say the word, word, it sounds the same, but it means two different things. And in Aramaic, it can mean it is finished, and it can mean my bride. Literally, the last thing he cries out was you on his mind. It's done. I've done everything for you, my bride. Listen, the cross was enough for the Father. Is it enough for you, or do you feel like you need to add something to it? Well, I just don't know if I'm worthy. You're not. (laughs) Are you ready for this? This is the best thing I'm going to say tonight. God only heals people who don't deserve it. 
God only heals people who don't deserve it. God only heals people who don't deserve it. The only kind of people that get healed are those who don't deserve it. The ones who try to deserve it, Paul says, you've cut yourself off from grace and you're no longer able to receive. It's called dead works. It's called religion. If you begin to think you've got to do something to pry God's hand open because he's up there with his arms folded waiting for you to grovel, waiting for you to get rid of the sin out of your life, that's what the cross was for. God uses ordinary people in extraordinary ways. It's called the gospel. God hasn't had anybody qualified working for him yet, and you and I ain't going to be the first ones. It's just good news. He had people who came to him with dormant faith, little faith, great faith. Guess what? They all got the same result. If they could just get rid of their doubts. 18 times. I'm just not even getting to the notes tonight. I'll tell you what. 18 times in the New Testament, he says, your faith has made you well. Not once did he say, my faith has made you well. 18 times he said, your faith has made you well. Are you ready for what faith was? Are you ready for this? They came to Jesus expecting him to help. Mic drop, boom. That was it. No 30-week series on faith. They came to Jesus expecting him help. Did some of them have issues? Yes. Did some of them, were some of them righteous in the law? Were some of them unrighteous? Did some of them have doubts? Did some of them have, listen, he never made them jump through hoops. The only prerequisite was that they came to him and said, I need help. He said, okay, healed. Every single time. And you know what he said? I only do what I see my father doing. What's the father doing? He's in a healing mood all the time. He's always in the mood for healing. It's his idea. We're not trying to convince him. We're not trying to pry his hand open. Like, get, what words did you use when you said that, Paul, that, saw that person? As if that it's like the right language that gets the cosmic tumblers of heaven to line up. And well, how did you say it again? And if I squint my eyes and, urge Jesus. And... Don't get good at healing. Just come like a little child. God, I'm not great at this, but you're amazing. It was your idea, and I'm partnering with your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, ears open. In the name of Jesus, shoulder be healed. It's not the language. It's the understanding behind it. I'm partnering with him. He's literally given you the power of eternity, of eternity, the power of attorney. When he said, um, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Welcome to the family business. Every person in here, you owe it to yourself to participate in the Fab Five. Heal the sick, raise, let's just say, blind eyes, deaf ears, mute, demonized, and the dead. Those are the uh, five most common miracles in the New Testament. And uh, listen, that's part of your inheritance. That's just, that's just fun. Can I tell you about demons for a little bit? It's how us Christians get to have fun. Casting out demons is Christian recreation. They have no power over you at all. The only way they have power over you is over deception. When they begin manifesting, that is their last ditch temper tantrum to try to get you to move into the flesh by what you're seeing and get worried about this thing. You need to say, oh my goodness, it's almost here. Even they recognize it. All right, I'll see. 
if you'll believe and not doubt. So imagine a team of horses that are hitched to each other. And you've got one team of horses called faith and it's pulling you towards the miracle. You've got another team of horses that's called doubt and it's pulling you away from the miracle. Jesus says if we can just cut that cord, if you can just believe and not doubt, it just takes a mustard seed. So that's what we're going after today. Sometimes we'll have like a weekend of healing. Sometimes people don't get healed on Friday. They come in to get prayer again on Saturday and they don't get healed. They come on Sunday and they get healed. God didn't change his mind, they did. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, okay? This, I, I, I promise you, I'm not, if you're getting condemned, I, I, I repent. I apologize, I'm not trying to do that. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to not answer because you're going to get the wrong answer. Okay? Who's in charge of healing? Is it you or is it God? I told you not to answer. You're in charge of healing. God is not up there on a case-by-case basis deciding who gets forgiven. He's already paid for it and said, yes, you get forgiven when you come to God and believe and receive. Same way you get healed. Uh, There was lots of blind people throughout Israel, but there was only one who cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus was going to pass him by and he stopped him. Who was in control of that miracle? The blind man. The Roman centurion. uh, Gentiles, they weren't participating in healing in Jesus' ministry unless they came to the Son of Man in faith. Jesus is planning on passing the guy by. He says, uh, you know, I got this servant. He's lying at home. And uh, Jesus is like, hey, um, I'll go to your house. And he's like, no, you don't need to go to my house. He brought a greater miracle about than even Jesus wanted to do. Who was in control of that miracle? The Roman centurion. So many of us are waiting. Well, you know, God is sovereign. Yeah, and he sovereignly said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I give you authority over every sickness, every disease, every evil spirit. If you're waiting for God to zap you, you're going to be waiting a long time. You are in control of the miracle, not God. Anymore. Listen, imagine if you applied this to salvation. Imagine the preacher getting up there and saying, your sin is working a great miracle of character on the inside of you. Who knows his timing when he wants to forgive you? And if you, if you uh, go and ask him for forgiveness, up, it must not have been his will at that time. We're like, what are you talking about? He already said yes. He already paid for it. We have a revelation for the last couple of centuries, ever since Martin Luther with the Protestant Reformation. It's by grace through faith. Right? How do you receive it? By grace was Jesus' part. By faith is our part to apprehend it. That's how you receive anything from, from God. It's by grace. He did it independent of your behavior before you did anything good, before you deserved it. It was his idea because he's awesome. But that doesn't mean that everyone is saved or everybody is healed or everybody is delivered. It just means it was paid for. There's a difference between him putting it in your account and you getting cash in your hand withdrawal through faith. All right, maybe I'll go back to the notes here. It's his will to heal you every single time. And if there's ever a shortage, it's on the human side of the equation, not the divine side. Okay, so I've had people say, well, Jim, was it your lack of faith? Was it my lack of faith? I have not found it helpful to find blame. I have only found it helpful to dive back into the ocean of grace and get my eyes on Jesus. Okay? I cannot take credit for the miracle, and I'm not going to take the shame for when it doesn't happen. I'm going to keep my eyes on him. Listen, guys, I, uh, 
So my sister passed away about nine years ago from breast cancer. It was uh, the hardest thing our family's ever had to walk through. She left behind five kids. She loved, she died just believing with everything she had. She's just a hero of mine for just not giving up in the middle of all that stuff. And uh, she's greatly missed. So on Facebook, somebody comes out nasty on me and is like, well, hey, I thought you believed in healing. Why'd your sister die? I'm like, what are you from ISIS? Like, what's your problem? Like, who talks like this? And so um, I'm just going to be honest. My first reactions were not necessarily unconditional love. I'll just be honest with you. I went something like, you can suck it, was something like what I wanted to type, but I didn't, I didn't type it. Instead, I said, God, I, I need some help here. I'm like, I want to tear this lady's face off. And um, are you guys okay? If you notice, my feet are on the ground. I'm not floating, okay? I mean, we're, it's just real, all right? And so um, I felt the Lord gave me a word of wisdom. So I typed her, have you sinned since you've been water baptized? And she types back, yeah, I have. And I said, well, Romans 6 says that you died to sin when you were buried with Christ through baptism. So that tells me he paid for you to never have to sin again. You just haven't learned how to take hold of the fullness of it. It's the same with healing, guys. If we pray and we don't see the fullness of it, it doesn't mean it's any less true. It just means that we're learning this thing. We don't have centuries, like in salvation, just uh, 150 years ago in the 1800s, people would mourn and repent for weeks at a time trying to feel that assurance of being saved. That was just 150 years ago. That was after having over 200 years of gospel preaching that it's just by faith, okay? We don't have that with healing. 10 years ago, you couldn't name me 10 churches that saw healing weekly. Now we're seeing more and more churches seeing stuff weekly, right? We don't have those decades of momentum. So first of all, let's just give ourselves a little break here. We're learning this thing. It's okay. But we need to learn this thing quickly because people are sick and it's, it's, it's not good. So when I pray and nothing happens, it doesn't mean that Jesus is any less true. It just means I'm on a learning curve here. And, holy, and listen, so what I do, I don't take guilt. But when I pray and, uh, and I, don't, I don't see the immediate breakthrough, um, I, I take it before the Father and I say, God, do the work in me that you need to do. And so sometimes I go home and cry. Sometimes I cry myself to sleep. I take this stuff seriously. This isn't just light, you know, just another topic. This is life and death. And so I get that. Jesus perfectly revealed the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, it used to be when I pray for somebody, I invented this theology that said, oh, it must not have been his will. And it's interesting, the disciples never had that response. They would have never said, I, I, I had a friend who was just in a meeting with about 300 people, and he said this preacher was teaching the 90% rule. God wants to heal 90% of any audience. I'm thinking, where did you get that garbage from? Like, when did Jesus, ever, listen guys, you're either going to have to get your theology from man, or you're going to have to get your theology from Jesus. If I'm saying something up here that Jesus didn't model, toss it, flush it. Seriously. Okay, And so um, the 90% rule, here's what happens, guys, with human nature, is um, everyone listening is going to put themselves in that 10% who Jesus doesn't want to get healed. What did that guy do? He just created a doubt. It's another hindrance you're going to have to overcome in order to get healed. When there's no hindrance, Jesus just says, come here. That's what he modeled. Every person who came to him was healed. So listen to John 1.18 in the Amplified, but I'm going to replace the pronouns with the word Jesus. You guys ready for this? Jesus Christ has declared the Father. Jesus Christ has revealed the Father. Brought the Father out where the Father can be seen. Jesus Christ has interpreted the Father. And Jesus Christ has made the Father known. Jesus Christ is the best kept secret in the American church. 
So many people are looking for some secret to unlock the mystery of healing when it's Jesus himself. He's the one who showed us exactly what that is like. This is really good news, by the way. I'm going to spare you some of this. I'm sparing you a lot of this. So uh, we have a newcomer's dessert at our house. And so there's a guy that we call Collarbone Chris. Collarbone Chris had a, a collarbone. It wasn't sticking through his skin, but it was deformed. And it was like sticking out of the skin, you know. And he was an armored truck driver. And so he had to go test with a shotgun that week. And his shoulder was in so much pain, he didn't know how he was going to be able to test with a shotgun. And so uh, we prayed for him all the pain leaves. Uh, but the thing was still deformed. He's like, I just hate looking at this thing. So on his way home boom, the, uh, this loud snap and the bone resets. And so he's like, this is awesome. So he tests. So now he's on the armored truck and he's in the truck with this uh, guy who's a Hindu. And so they got like this glass wall in between them. So it's not like they can have a conversation much on the truck. They don't really know each other, even though they're working together every day. And so the truck breaks down. And so they're on the side of the road. So they start having a conversation with this Hindu. And so um, the Hindu's like, yeah, I got all these physical problems. I got allergies and this blood disorder and blah, blah, blah. My wife's even in worse shape. And we're going to move to India, and there's a Hindu healer who's going to work on us. And he said, after three years, we'll be healed. And he's like, dude, I got the solution for you. He's like, we can get this done in one shot. Why don't you come over to the, uh, we got this uh, newcomer's dessert. And so they come there. And every newcomer's dessert's different. It seems like it kind of has a theme. And it's like everyone's kind of coming to the church for the same reason. So we're like, hey, what, what brought you to Zion? What brought you back? So this one, it seemed like everyone was like for healing. Oh, I came, I got someone, I was at a restaurant, I got healed, and they invited me here, and it was just one of those, like, really cool, I'm not trying to act like that's every, you know, newcomer there, but it just was this one. So here they are, they're hearing this good news all around the circle. We didn't ask them to share, they just kind of sat in the back, and um, afterwards, uh, we prayed for them. And uh, this was really a dramatic one. Like the power of God came on him and he felt like his blood was boiling. A lot of times when someone has like a whole system disease, like a leukemia or like an AIDS or something like that, um, when they're getting a whole body cleanse, their blood begins to feel hot all over. And so he gets that. All of his symptoms leave and his wife's symptom, all they leave. Let me ask you, um, were these two believers? Um, listen, when a pastor asks you a question, it's always a trick question, Okay. <laughs> My church knows this. They're like abused puppies. Anytime I ask a question, it makes me feel so powerful. I'm like, dance, puppets, dance. Ah. I didn't say, were they Christians? I said, were they believers? What happened? They heard good news, enough for them to take action. And they came to Jesus expecting him to help. See, Jesus is that good. He doesn't make you join his team before he'll heal you. Here's the secret. Unbelievers are actually easier to get healed than believers because unbelievers don't have all the doubts. They're just like, whatever. Sure, I'll try it. Whatever. Unbeliever, believers are like, well, hold on. What about Paul's thorn in the flesh? And, uh, and didn't Paul tell Timothy to take a little wine with his stomach? And uh, what about Job? And it's just like, oh my gosh, there's like hundreds of verses on healing and those are the only ones you have memorized? Paul tells you what his thorn in the flesh was. It was a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from, uh, to keep me from getting, uh, so it was a messenger of Satan, okay? Paul's thorn in the flesh was not bad eyesight. You want me to prove it to you? Timothy let Paul circumcise him. 
Mommy, what's circumcision? Ask your father. Are we okay? <laughs> Second Corinthians 11 is the passage on the thorn in the flesh. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 12. You know what comes right before 2 Corinthians 12? 2 Corinthians 11. You know what 2 Corinthians 11 says? He talks about um, persecutions, hardships, insults. I was uh, shipwrecked at the sea. I received um, lashes from the Jews, uh, 40 minus 1. Remember that whole thing? What's he called? Insults, persecutions, hardships. And he says, um, uh, he kept saying, in my weakness, my weakness, my weakness I made strong. A couple verses later, Paul says, there's this thorn in the flesh given to me. Um, When I'm weak, then I am strong. Even in insults, hardships, persecutions, his grace is sufficient for me. What did he just say it was? It was demonic persecution at the hands of men that calls insults, weaknesses, hardships, persecution. The whole thing that he listed there, that was his thorn in the flesh in chapter 11. It's the same language. It works in any translation. You are not redeemed from persecution at the cross. You're actually guaranteed it. So like, why didn't Paul get rid of this thing? Everyone who lives a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So it's, it's, it's promised. And so that's why he suffered it, because it's part of being a believer. Why Paul tell Timothy to take a little wine with his stomach? I don't know. How's that? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the water was bad and it was better to drink wine. I don't know. Maybe you needed to chill. I don't know why. But I'm not going to take things that I don't understand and let those supersede the clear revelation of what I do understand. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. Heal them all. There's passages that say things like this. Lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Father, unravel this mystery to me. These these infinite mysteries of the cross. Stick your hand there and expect them to get better. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Father, I don't understand. Yes, you do. It's not hard. Jesus never made anything hard. Sorry. If you believe and not doubt. So the biggest doubt is, I'm not sure if it's God's will. It creates this idea that God's will might be different for different people. Jesus never modeled that. Only religion does. We don't believe Jesus has a respecter of person when it comes to salvation. He never modeled that. He never modeled it when it came to healing. Um, Here's another doubt. It's not God's timing. Okay? So again, how are we going to evaluate the truth of that statement? We're going to uh, look at Jesus' life. When did he ever lay hands on someone and say, ooh, you're right in the middle of an important lesson? You know what? If you wait till the blood moon happens with the Shemitah, guys, come on. It's embarrassing. Waiting for some Jewish calendar event so then God will be in a good mood. He's in a good mood since Calvary. I'll just say it. You guys need to understand. Here's our message. Be reconciled to God because he's already been reconciled to you. It doesn't mean everyone's saved. It means all the obstacles to his heart. And what's the next verse say? He is no longer counting men's trespasses and sins against them. Which, by the way, is the final clause of the new covenant. Which means it's not the day of wrath. Listen, 
well, if God doesn't judge San Francisco, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, no, if he does judge San Francisco, he's going to have to apologize to Jesus. He already took out all of his wrath for sin against Jesus, which means he has nothing but grace and peace left for you. There will be a day of judgment, but it ain't that day. How are we doing? I don't care what the prophet on Elijah list says. I've got scripture. Uh, another doubt. You need to throw out your medication to prove you have faith. Uh, Jesus didn't do that. He actually said, go show yourself to the priest. They were the medical professionals of the day. Hey, listen, when you're healed, it'll show up on the x-ray. God's not against medicine. He's against being number two. We're not some stupid cult that says deprive your kids of medical care. If you want to deprive yourself of medical care because you're trying to step out in faith, you're a big boy, you're a big girl, go for it. Don't practice your faith in your kids. Pray, and if nothing's happening, pray on the way to the doctor. Pray while they're taking the medicine. Pray after the medicine. Don't deprive your kids of that. I feel like I got all this pent-up stuff. I don't even know why. I'm sorry. I just love Jesus. It's like, what a great idea. No hoops to jump through. Like, you paid for it all. Yes! Like, are you kidding me? This is awesome. I couldn't have invented a better religion than God's going to come live inside of me and enable me to become like him. I don't think I could have thought up anything that loco. Here's another uh, doubt. Generational curses. <laughs> Why? Ooh. Some people, they fight for the right to be cursed. I'll tell you what. First of all, before I am mean, a lot of the misunderstanding, I believe, just comes around the word curse. Okay, here's, here's what the word curse means. It means to disempower someone to succeed is basically a, a definition. So when you see someone like a Craig Hill uh, who writes about it in his, um, uh, geez, uh, Ancient Paths, when you see Donna De Silva writes about a generational curse of Vietnam vets, that's, a, that's good modern language to describe something, but it's not biblical language. The Bible has a whole different meaning for that word, okay? And so she would say, like, the Vietnam vets, they're experiencing a generational curse. It's actually just a, a traumatic event is what it is. It's not a curse upon them. It's, maybe that's modern language. When you talk about generations of alcoholism, that's a familiar spirit. Okay, that's not a curse upon somebody. Because what happens is, uh, Genesis through Revelation, you don't see anybody doing anything about a curse ever. Period. That should at least make you throw out a book or two. Are we doing okay? I'm not saying you can't be influenced by this generation, but I'm saying, when you got saved, your generation was buried with Christ through baptism, dead, died, dead, burned the body, Scrape together the ashes, burn the ashes. That's how dead you are. There was a new person that is now in a new line of Jesus. You're either in Adam, cursed, sure, big hot mess, or you're in Christ. No curses in that family line. Listen, if God's not counting your sins and trespasses against you, he's not going to curse you because your grandfather was a mason. Why would he hold someone else's sins again? Well, Jim, doesn't it say he curses you to the third and fourth generation? No, it does not. This is a dramatic pause to let the offense set in. <laughs> it says he will curse to the third and fourth generation of those who hate him. You partake of the sin, you partake of the punishment. But even in the Old Testament, they did not have generational curses. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 18 through 20. 
Uh, he says, there's a proverb being said in Israel and it will be said no more. The fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, dad does something, kid pays the price. He, say, he corrects it and he says, the soul who sins will die. I will not punish the father for the sin of the son. I will not punish the son for the sin of the father. The soul who sins will die. Gang, even in the Old Testament, they didn't have generational curses. Are we okay? Another doubt. You need to find the root cause of sickness. If the Holy Spirit is leading you into that, then it might be, it might be a great insight, okay? Um, but I think when you're going and looking for something all the time as part of your prayer model, I know it's step three out of the Randy Clark prayer model and the Vineyard prayer model. I get that, okay? Jesus just never modeled that. Not once did Jesus look to a person's past to understand how to pray in the present, I'm not saying the Holy Spirit can't lead you into something, but I'm saying don't make it your model. You're constantly looking for the root cause. You're looking at the root answer. Jesus, that's where faith comes from. And as you're looking to Jesus, if he says, listen, this person has unforgiveness. It's interesting. There's someone, there's a paralytic being lowered through the roof, and Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. I'm like, oh, Jesus, you missed it on this one. He, uh, <laughs> he's actually paralyzed. He doesn't need uh, shame broken off of him. He's... He needs, he needs his legs healed, Jesus. Sorry, you missed it on that one. But here's what Jesus said. It said, uh, Jesus saw the man. The word saw there doesn't mean to see with your physical eyes. It means to perceive or discern what's going on behind the scenes. So Jesus looks at this guy and discerns that if he can get the shame off of his life, that was the doubt that he needed to remove, then he could receive the word. So God may do that for you. Just don't make it a formula. Are we okay? Yeah. Nobody's dogging Randy Clark. Nobody's dogging John Wimber. I'm just saying don't make it a formula. We good? Nobody dogs John Wimber in a vineyard church. I understand that, all right? <laughs> Wimber's one of my heroes, he really is. So is Randy Clark. Here's another um, doubt. I'll call it the noble cause. Some people create a noble cause for their healing. If I'm healed, God will be glorified. If I'm healed, my whole family will come to Jesus. Right? And so um, some do this because in their hearts they don't believe that the Father wants them well, so they've got to create a noble cause in order to give God a reason to heal them. I have not seen one person healed ever who had a noble cause. You've got to repent of that thing and say, God would heal me if no one else knew. What did Jesus say? Hey, I'm going to heal you, but don't tell anyone. You don't need a noble cause. You just need to know he loves you and wants to heal you, even if nobody else finds out about it. It's okay to share your testimony. He's just not going to do a miracle for you to get some extra PR out of you. He's going to do a miracle because he loves you. Another doubt, um, let me just name it. You don't, need, uh, you don't need to renounce the occult to get healed. You don't need to forgive somebody to be healed. You don't need to confess a sin to be healed. You don't need to tithe to be healed. You don't need to attend church faithfully to be healed. You don't need to submit to authority to be healed. You don't need to have a covering to be healed. I'm not saying some of those things aren't good ideas. They're just not hoops Jesus made anybody jump through in order to get healed. They just came to him expecting him to help. 100% healing. How are we doing? I'm hoping this is good news to you. He never said you need to go fast for a while before you're healed. Fasting has become a legalized work in the church. Listen, fasting changes me, it doesn't change God. 
A lot of people think fasting is like God's favorite song. I'm not giving Baker nothing. He's not getting anything from me. Gurgle, gurgle. Was that Baker's stomach? Is Baker fasting? Oh, man. He's twisting my arm. If he goes three days, we've got no choice, angels. We're going to have to heal him. (laughs) Fasting changes me. It doesn't change God. We okay? Um, You don't need soaking prayer to get healed. He said heal the sick, not soak the sick. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm just... Guys, there's a story behind every one of these things. We had a guy from a um, large church that uh, rhymes with injured, and um, <laughs> and he came and he's like, "Listen, uh, I'm over the healing rooms, and I'm, I, I, I I hear the results you guys are getting, and I like to learn." And so I'm like, "Yeah, great, this sounds great." And so he came to our church fall, and he comes to me and says, "I don't like the way you guys do healing." I'm like. I don't necessarily either. Like, I'm not married to anything that we're doing. I don't even think we're amazing. And we're just learning. We're a bunch of, like, little kids. And, uh, and he's like, well, you know, I like to soak them for a while so that they feel loved. And I'm just like, and he's like, you guys pray too quick. Literally, our prayers look like this. Um, shoulder be healed. Let's just look at some of Jesus' prayers. Little girl, wake up. Eyes be open. Take up your mat and walk. He didn't say, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, for a time such as this, I decree and I declare. Like, who are you talking to? Can we just be gut level honest? Anything more than two or three sentences, you're trying to convince yourself, and it's unbelief. Here's one of the biggest doubts. I don't feel good enough or worthy enough to receive healing or to be used in healing. So here's what happens sometimes is we're getting ready to pray for somebody and we kind of run through our spiritual checklist. How have I been doing with God? You know, oh, I had a good prayer time today. I feel a little bit more confident. If you feel confident or discouraged based on your spiritual performance, you're headed for depression. Your performance level, whether it's good or bad, it cannot hold up. The only thing that holds up is Jesus. Are you ready for this? Okay, this is the second best thing I'm going to say. I don't remember what the first best thing was, but since I already said that, this is actually the best. Okay, you ready? God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when faith sees that, a miracle happens. Well, Jim, I'm believing, I'm believing. Listen, just don't condemn yourself. Entitlement says, I've been believing. I've been standing on the promises. I've been doing this. I've been doing this. You just told me the whole problem. It's all about you. Faith doesn't look at what you did. Faith looks at what Jesus did. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to get you free. That's a spirit of entitlement. I've been fasting. Everybody's prayed for me. It's all about you. Faith looks at Jesus. I remember I was really pressing into healing. I was on staff at a, at a church, and our neighbor, Kurt, God bless him, he was just like super zealous for the Lord. And so he worked for the United Way, and he got this super bad ear infection, so he couldn't even hear out of the ear. And so he's at work at his desk, and this girl comes in, she's talking, and he can't hear because his ear is clogged up. And he's like, Oh, I'm sorry, you know, I got this ear infection. And the girl's an atheist. And she says, Ha oh, ha, you got an ear infection. Why don't you pray to your God and have him heal you? I'm like, Dang, this atheist is bold. I like her. And so, um, <laughs> And so, uh, Kurt's like, he comes in, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm in kind of Pharisee gym days. I'm just gonna have to say, I was, I was kind of in between Pharisee and coming out of it. And I like to argue with people. It's just really sad. And so, um, so Kurt comes, he's my next door neighbor. And he's like, Jim, I know you've been going after healing. And he's like, you know, the ACS, they threw down the gauntlet. And here, I'm just gonna tell you how, how the thing went out. I said, Kurt, listen, I'm not ready to pray today. 
I have not prayed enough today. I need to fast tomorrow. I will pray tomorrow. And then when, we come, when you come home from work, we'll meet in the driveway and we'll pray. Where was the focus on this whole thing? What I needed to do. I'm going to tell you the honest to God truth how the next day went. I woke up and forgot about Kurt. I ate breakfast. I had two lunch appointments. <laughs> this is the honest to God truth. I ate lunch at both appointments. <laughs> this is the truth. I ate lunch and dessert at the second appointment. <laughs> so I'm now driving home from work and... Um, I forgot all about Kurt. And I pull in my um, the neighborhood and I see Kurt's beaming face at the end of the driveway. I'm going to say, I said a bad word. I prayed this prayer aloud. I said, oh crap. I forgot to pray. I forgot to fast. And so I got out of the car. My head was hung low. My shoulders were slumped. I said, Kurt, I'm sorry. I did not fast. I did not. He's like, that's okay. Let's just pray anyway. So I thought, yeah, I already know what's going to happen. Because I haven't done what I need to do to be holy, to be a chosen vessel. So, pray and nothing happens. Pray and nothing happens. I'm going to be honest. I'm starting to get hungry about this time. You know, it's, it's, it's dinner time. It's about time for fourth meal, you know. And so, um, so, just as I'm getting ready to make up some stupid excuse, God's ways are higher than our ways. Who can know his ways, you know, and all this stuff. Que Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. We'll pray and if nothing happens, we'll blame it on God's sovereignty. <laughs> So I'm just getting ready to give my sovereignty speech, and, um, and I hear the Lord say, am I going to heal him because you're good or because I'm good? And I don't know how to describe it. It felt like somebody flicked me in the nose. It was, like, it, was like, it was like I came to. It was like, what am I doing? I'm making this all about me. And I said, Kurt, I, I'm, I, just, I don't even know what he was saying. I was just like, we need to try this one more time. In the name of Jesus, ear be healed. There was this loud pop, and all the infection ran out of his ear. What happened? I got my eyes off of myself and onto New Testament faith where looks at Jesus. When I looked at him, I knew it's enough. Remember, the cross was enough for the Father. Is it enough for you? Or do you feel like you've got to get a little more worthy and got to get a little more? See, um, our kids, when they were younger and they were in school, I know I don't look old enough to have kids graduated. You're embarrassing me. Stop, stop that, okay? Stop it. When they were younger, we would give them um, money if they got all A's, Right? And so um, what, here's what a lot of people are doing is they're coming to Jesus with the report cards ready to be rewarded. But here's the, here's the switch, what he did. Is, um, in, in New Covenant, that was the Old Covenant. You came, to G, you came to God with your report card and you got rewarded based on that. The New Covenant, you come to the, uh, G, come to the Father with Jesus' report card. <laughs> and he delights to treat you as if you were Jesus himself. That's good news. You understand. I'm not coming based on my worthy, my holiness, I'm like a little kid who has joined the family business with the power of attorney, and I say, in the name of Jesus, and he acts. My part, believe. That's it. That's why, that's why a kid can do it. Even a caveman can do it. Some of you don't watch enough TV. That was actually funny. <clears throat> Are you ready for this? This is the third best thing I'm going to say. Um, in the Old Testament, when someone committed a sin, they brought a lamb to the priest. The priest inspected the lamb to make sure it was spotless. The priest never inspected the person. Gang, this is stinking good news. When you, when you come before the Father, 
He is not inspecting you to see if you are worthy to receive the promise. He's inspecting the lamb. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, that is so, so awesome. I love you, Jesus. Here's a phrase that I really uh, just enjoyed. Stay fascinated with Jesus. People are like, sometimes they'll say like, what are you thinking about when, when you're healing? And uh, you know, sometimes I'm just thinking about stupid stuff and I'm worried about like, what happens if it doesn't. I, I get some of that stuff too. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. And, but on my good days, I'm staying fascinated with Jesus. I'm not looking at the size of the tumor. I'm not looking at you know, the, the shriveled up body. But I'm, not, I'm not looking at that stuff. In my mind's eye, I'm staying fascinated with Jesus. And when I do that, faith is like a reflex of action. There's an ease to it. You see, I'm not, I'm not working something up. I'm not trying to be worthy enough or show them how good I am. I'm just, whew. it's interesting. In the old covenant, it said the priest stood ministering daily. Why? The old testament was like a bloodbath. Have you read that thing? I mean, the priest, it was like a butcher shop. Slice, chop, burn. Slice, chop, burn. And so why they, because the people wouldn't stop sitting. They had to keep offering sacrifices. Oh no, here comes the Smiths. Slice, slice, chop, chop, burn, burn. <laughs> Apology to any Smiths. It was just an, uh, an illustration. The people wouldn't stop sinning and the sacrifice was never enough. Slice, chop, burn, slice, chop, burn. Come over to the new covenant and it says, Jesus, our great high priest, he offered one sacrifice for all. And then he sat down. Why did he sit down? There was nothing left to do. He paid for anything you could ever encounter. He's not up there on a case-by-case basis deciding whether or not you're worthy to be healed. He already said, anyone who comes to me in faith, the answers are yes and amen. All his promises are yes and amen. You see how this stuff starts to tie together? It is Finished. It could be translated this way. It's completely completed. It's perfectly complete. It's completed perfectly. Every, I like what John the Baptist says. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away every effect of sin from this world. Do not answer this question. <laughs> Did everyone get this? Okay. Some people feel like, yeah, Jim, this is all great. I know a lot of this stuff, but... I'm the special exception. Do not answer. How many of you feel like you're the special exception? Okay. If you're feeling that in your heart, I'm just going to tell you something. You're not that special. (laughs) You are not the special exception that the blood of the son of God doesn't work for. Get over yourself. That's pride. Some people have a sickness and it becomes their badge of honor. I've been prayed for by so-and-so. I've been prayed for by so-and-so. And they get their identity and their sickness. Stop saying this is my sickness, my tumor. It doesn't belong to you. It's a foreign invader that needs kicked out. There'll be one or 2% of people in any room that have their identity and their sickness. And listen, if you're feeling, oh my gosh, that's me. Like I talk about my sickness all the time and. And that's all I have to talk about. And uh, what if I got healed and I'd have to go back to work and all this stuff? Repent of it right now. Quit partnering with that thing. It, it could get to the point where it's a spirit and just repent and it leaves. Okay? I'm being serious right now. Some of you just stop it. You don't get to think about who that entails. You only get to think about yourself. Okay? No nudging. No pointing. I'm going to conclude with this. This is going to be a bizarre way to conclude, but it'll make the point. 
So I was pre-med um, at the <clears throat> University of Michigan in college, and so because the Wolverines need Jesus too, all right? And so I was pre-med, and so in order to get into medical school, you have to get a recommendation letter from a doctor. And so my lab partner, he, uh, his dad was a, was a doctor, and I'm like, dude, will your dad write me a letter of recommendation? And so he asked his dad, and he's like, well, hey, let me play golf with Jim, and then we'll, uh, then we'll do it. So um, anyone who's ever seen me play golf has never accused me of being a golfer. Have some of you already heard this story? All right, good. That's why I love new people. And so... Um, and so we go out, and it's the Beverly Hills Country Club in Detroit, Michigan. So it's very fancy, you know, people even with their pinkies out and everything. And so I get there, and um, I'm going to call him Dr. Smith. Dr. Smith's like, Baker, where's your golf spikes? I'm like, well, I don't have any golf spikes. You know, I just, you know, I've only probably golfed like three times, you know. And so he's like, oh. He's like, you got to wear golf spikes. Just go into, the, go into the clubhouse and find someone's shoes and just wear those. I'm like, oh my gosh, this isn't going good. Like, I'm going to steal some shoes. And so, and so the three times I went, me and my friends were trying to do it as cheap as possible, so I'd never ridden in a golf cart. And so I, I put the golf clubs in there, but apparently I didn't hook them in right. So when we took off, boom, my golf clubs go flying out the back. And Dr. Smith's like, looking like, are you serious? So we get on the first hole, and um, what I want you to picture is like a, a, a half moon of people. So like a, like a, 180 degree circle, so it's not a full circle, but it's 180 degree people with their, you know, eating their tea and crumpets, and they're all watching you tee off. And so you've got, uh, you've got the closest tees are the ladies' tees, the intermediate, and then the pro tees. So we're, we're teeing off from the pro tees, the farthest from the hole, and all these people. So uh, the first three guys hit were in a party of four, uh, Dr. Smith, his son, um, a guy who's legally blind who can only see to his toes. We'll talk more about him because he's having the game of his life that day. <laughs> And so uh, I'm just going to tell you, honest to God, how this thing happened. So uh, first stroke, swing and a miss. I'm like, are you serious? Like, like receive my spirit, you know. And so the second shot, it goes the direction my toes are pointing and almost hits one of the people eating. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, I hate this game. So uh, Dr. Smith is like, do you get a mulligan? I'm like, mulligan? Wasn't that uh, Skipper's friend on like, uh, they were on an island trying to get out? I'm like, whatever. And so um, some of you haven't watched enough TV for that one either. So the third shot I hit, and it's like a topspin ping pong ball shot. And so it's kind of like going here, and I, I think a worm stuck its head out. I think I like, yeah, got to get it. And so it didn't make it past the ladies' tees. So uh, Dr. Smith's like, just pick up and hit with us. I'm like, oh my gosh. And so I had like, I thought I had a lot of golf balls and the, 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 it was like narrow fairways, lots of woods. So by the time we got to hole 13, I have lost all of my golf balls <laughs> and I'm now borrowing golf balls from Dr. Smith. And uh, <laughs> um, just, you know, hole 13. So there's like par four, which means like a pro should be able to get four and there's par five, they're longer holes. This is a par five. And, um, Arnold Palmer, one of the greatest golfers ever, got a 13 on this hole. It is a very difficult hole. And so I am, I am losing balls all over the place. So I finally hack my way up to, uh, up to the, um, the green, and I'm going to have to do a chip shot. And so there is like a hill going up and then the flat green. And so the, the guy who's legally blind, he, I mean, he, the whole time I'm here, oh yeah, Baker's getting beat by the blind guy, ha ha ha. And... And so I felt like I got a little bit of revenge on this hole because he didn't realize how steep the hole was and he went to walk up and then he rolled back down. I'm like, yeah, now who's the boss, you know? And so I got to do a little chip shot to the hole. And so um, a chip shot is like, you know, you gently swing back, make contact with it, follow through, a nice little loft, roll to the hole. What could go wrong, right? I mean, doesn't that sound easy? And so here's what happened. I swung back, but apparently I didn't follow through fast enough. So it went like this. 
Chip. Chip, I made contact with it while I was in flight. And I flung it backwards about 25 yards. Which, distance-wise, was actually one of my best shots of the day, unfortunately. Here's what Dr. Smith says to me. He looks at me and says, Baker, you had 10 strokes to my game just being with you. Want to know something interesting? Dr. Smith wrote me a glowing recommendation letter. Do you want to know why? Because my perform- the father's approval of me had nothing to do with my performance. It had everything to do with my relationship to his son. How are we doing? Gang, what if it's easier than we thought? What if it's not about your faith, your brilliance, your anointing, your this and that? God will not withhold healing from you because you're bad. He will not heal you because you're good. He'll heal you because of what Jesus did on the cross. It is good news. So how about we do this? Um, I'm looking for somebody who's willing to be a volunteer and don't volunteer somebody else. I'm looking for something specific. I realize there's worse conditions. I'm just looking for something that's easy. And so someone, uh, maybe you've got uh, pain in a part of your body and it's difficult to move it or, uh, you know, it'd be easy to say, hey, I'm in pain. Oh yeah, now I can move it. So maybe it's a knee, back, shoulder, something like that. So let's just get uh, a couple of, and you're, and you're, you're listening to this and you're saying, today's my day to be healed. Like I'm listening, like I am so ready to get healed. So just come on up here. Yeah, it's okay. We, we'll do a group discount here. So, What's that? I got a pain in the nose. All right. I'm not laying hands on that. All right, there we go. Yeah, any hemorrhoids, we're just commanding, sending the word. We're not laying hands, okay? All right, I got it. I got it here. Okay, now let's make it interesting. Who's been listening to this and you want to learn healing ministry? See, a lot of people got faith that if someone else will pray. But, um, yeah, so yeah, just let's get two or three people. Come on up here. Let's do this. I'm making this up as we go. I probably should have thought this thing through here. Okay, I wasn't expecting you guys to be this hungry. This is awesome. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, just, let's get one. Um, why don't you just come on up here? So we'll start with you. And now let's get one or two people up here. Let's just make it so everybody can see. So, uh, you know, can you just talk so people can hear you? No, no, I, listen, I will come down to you guys. Everyone's going to get prayer. I just need one person for the demonstration. But this guy's going to be hard to turn down. I'm just going to be honest with you. I like you. All right. What's your name? Matt. Matt. And so uh, what do you want, when we pray, what do you want to see happen? Uh, full flexibility and no pain in my shoulders. Okay. Two torn labrums. Okay. So how, how far can you move it? I can move it, but it's painful. Okay. And so like on a scale of one to 10, 10 is as bad as you can imagine. How bad is the pain? Uh, six. Okay, good. So you probably got a high pain threshold. That's probably, that's probably really bad there. Okay. Oh, there we go. So, uh, no, it's not. Hello. Yeah. I hate it when they childproof these things. I tell you what. There we go. Right. So um, uh, Matt has got uh, shoulder pain about a 6 out of 10 and limited flexibility because of the pain, right? Correct. All right. And so um, I need someone to come up and uh, help me pray here. So who's, who's in the line of the, who wants to help me? Let's get one or two people up here. Okay. 
Thank you, ladies. All right, here's what we're going to do. And so, um, uh, Matt, I just, uh, I want you to just say this. Because um, when we're working with believers, it just helps to keep their eyes on Jesus. Okay, that, remember, that's where faith comes from. We're not getting into performance anxiety. We're not like wondering what's going to happen here. Listen, we're just enjoying the Lord. We're just all kids in this thing. And we're just putting our eyes on him. He does all the heavy lifting. I'm not sure if you've ever done that with a kid. Like they act like they think they're helping you lift something, but you're doing all the work. That's us. <laughs> we, we think we're doing something really important. And God's like, ah, I've, I, yeah, nice. Yeah, you're, that's cute. Okay. So, guys, this is it right here. This is it. We're just, this is fun. This is, I mean, we're just going to play and see what happens here. And so, um, so the Bible says believe and then receive. So I want you to just close your eyes and just enjoy the Lord. And uh, just, you, can, you don't need the mic for this, but just, uh, just say this. This healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. What's he doing? He's looking at the cross and he's believing before he receives. Why don't you stretch your hands out towards Matt and say this healing belongs to Matt because of what Jesus has done. Okay, ladies, I want you to put your hands on his shoulders and just uh, say something simple like this. Uh, pain, leave in the name of Jesus. Pain, leave in the name of Jesus. That was cute. That was cute, that little thing there. Okay? So, Lord, we just thank you. All right, so, Matt, I'm here to want you to do. I want you to check it out and just see you were at a 6 out of 10. And so, um, sometimes it takes more than one prayer. It's, uh, you need to be honest. If it's, it's, it's just, still there, 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10, okay? So, if we didn't know it was God's will to heal, you know what we do? Oh, must not have been God's will. Next. Right? But because we know it's his will to heal, we can persevere. Jesus prayed for one guy twice, the blind guy. You know what that means? It means we get 37 times. Are we going to do this thing or not? All right. All right. So uh, let's just keep our eyes on Jesus. Lord, we love you. So ladies, help me out here. Lord, we love you. You're awesome. Thank you, Jesus. We're just expecting you to show up. Shoulders, I command you to be healed in the name of Jesus. Thanks, God. Mm. I'm just staying fascinated with Jesus, just enjoying him. Thank you, Lord. I'll be honest, I'm just kind of waiting to feel a little bit of a flow. So thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're awesome. You're the healer. Be made whole in the name of Jesus. All right, just check them out. See if there's any improvement. You're at about a six. Uh, I don't think so. No. All right. Do we get to try again? Yeah, please. All right. Yes. <laughs> if any of you have ever done healing ministry, you know sometimes it takes, it takes a second to get something moving. Okay? Yes. If I didn't know it was God's will, I'd be like, all right, Next. I remember um, we did a demonstration with this one lady. She had this giant goiter in my face, like, I'm like, oh, man, can we get something else, you know? And um, so we just put her off to the side, and within five minutes, the thing had completely disappeared. So sometimes you just need to step out of the limelight and stuff like that. But I want you to just get the basic pattern. I know it's not, like, working like I would have liked it to, like, instantly here, okay? But I think it's good for you to see this is how it works sometimes. You know, I remember we had uh, someone with uh, a leg that was like 14 inches shorter. They got run over with a growth plate. And um, it took a while. Actually, it was funny. The shorter leg shot past the longer leg for a while. I was like, oh boy, like what do you do for that one, you know? And so, like, was that our fault? Should we have said stop, you know? And so, um, 
And it took a while. It was interesting. The legs just kind of kept adjusting for a while. You know, when you've got severe back problems, sometimes that's what happens. And so, listen, let's just go for it again here. And uh, man, just again, this healing belongs to me because of what Jesus has done. Stretch your hands towards him. This healing belongs to Matt because of what Jesus has done. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you're good. We love you, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord, you got to love you. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. You bore his sickness. You carried his pain. And by your stripes, he is healed. I declare these shoulders healed in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All right, check it out one more time. See if we're getting any improvement on the thing. Oh, man. This never happens, but this is fun. All right. So this one actually feels like it's hurting worse right now. Okay. This, so, is, this is actually good information here. That's why I'm sharing it. Okay, it's good information. Here's what that means, guys. Is So if pain moves or it increases from prayer, it's demonic. Okay, it doesn't mean you're demon possessed. It means you have a big target in your life, yes. and the enemy is trying to, and the enemy is trying to intimidate you with that thing. That's true. Yes, it is. There's, it doesn't mean you necessarily done anything. It just means you're under attack. Okay, and so, um, so that means we pray differently. Are we okay here? Yes. What? I say okay, Jim. All right, this guy's. You know what? Get over here. Get over here, you. I should have brought in the ringer earlier. <laughs> All right, there we go. You're going to take this hand. You can do whatever you want. I'm not, I can't control this. This is, this is too good. You're the ministry team right now. Okay, all right. You're the ministry team. I want you to tell Matt, be free in the name of Jesus. Be free in the name of Jesus. Anything hanging on there, I break it off in the name of Jesus. Be free. Thank you, Jesus. Love you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we break this thing off him in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. I break this thing off in the name of Jesus. I just begin to move your shoulders around, see what's happening there. All right, great. We, <laughs> I'm not sure. Thank you. What, how are we doing? Still about six. Still about six. Man, you know what? Sometimes it's just like this, yep. you know? And so here, here's what you need to understand. Um, God's will hasn't changed. Agreed. Sometimes we just need to grow into this thing. And so like I, said, I don't have an explanation other than it's going to bow its knee. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to keep praying here tonight. Guys, you have to understand, it's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. These things have to bow their knee. I mean, I'm going to go to bed tonight, and maybe something will happen tomorrow morning. Well, we haven't even prayed for you yet, so just... <laughs> All right, yeah, this guy's ready for bed. Listen, we're going to pray for you here in just a second. Okay. It'd be real easy right now to get discouraged. 
It'd be real easy right now to say, hey, man, this thing, like, oh, how come that thing didn't work? I don't know why, guys. I, I, you know, I, I don't have an answer. So what are we going to do? You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, you cannot be moved. Yeah. You cannot be moved by what you see, taste, heal, or smell, or feel. You've got to be moved by what Jesus says in his word. And he modeled this thing for us. Here's what I want you to do. Everybody stand up. Let's just do this. If you've got digestive issues, raise your hand. Something's going on. Food allergy, digestive issues, just stuff's not happening. Okay? If you've got a problem in your neck, there's a limited range of movement in your neck, raise your hand. If you've got a curvature of your spine, raise your hand. Let's just go for shoulder problems. Let's just go ahead and just name this one, okay? Shoulder problems. Raise your good hand. You know, so. Okay, keep your hand up. Here's what I want you to do. Gather around the people with their hands raised. Okay? Someone come put a hand on your shoulder, then you can put your hand down when you got, when you got someone who's done that. Keep your hand up until someone has a hand on your shoulder. Okay, uh, back there in the green, uh, somebody uh, needs to come over there back there in the, in the green shirt. Anybody else have their hand raised that does not have a hand on their shoulder? All right, so uh, here's what you're going to do. What do you want to see happen when we pray? Notice the difference. It's not what's wrong with you. We're not focusing on the sickness. What do you want to see happen? Well, I want my shoulder to move and not have any pain. Do you see the difference in just focus there? Jesus asked the blind guy, what do you want? And he said, I want to see don't assume that if they're in a wheelchair that they want to get out of the wheelchair. Just ask them what's going on. You meet them where they're at. Don't try to meet them where your faith is at. And so uh, what do you want to see happen? Pray in the name of Jesus. Have them check it out. Faith needs an activity. There's a person with a shriveled hand. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. So that faith needs an activity. It needs an action there. And so whatever you've got to do to test it out, move it, wiggle it. You don't have to try to hurt yourself, but you're looking for improvement. Because if you can move the devil an inch, you can move him a mile. Yeah. Even if it's an inch at a time. And so... Um, uh, I find the pain scale sometimes to be helpful. If you don't feel the Holy Spirit leading you to say, hey, where's your pain on a scale of one to 10? If they're having some, some pain, don't use it. It's, it's not something that Jesus used. But here's what happens is if somebody's pain goes from a six down to a four and they say, oh, it still hurts. That's not as good information as, hey, it actually went from a six to four. Now you're seeing, hey, they're, like, their faith is uh, you know, they're getting bolstered. My faith's getting bolstered, okay? So what do you want to see happen when we pray? Just no more than two or three sentences. In the name of Jesus, shoulder be healed. Don't try to think of the words. Stay fascinated with Jesus. Have him check it out. And if something good is happening, celebrate by clapping in your group so we can hear it. All right? Try it. Go for it. Don't pray past the miracle. Okay, pray and expect them to check it out.
All right, this is round one. We're going to do another round here in just a second. How many of you um, uh, receive 50% more breakthrough? 50% or more? Raise your hand. Awesome. Look around. That's awesome. Yay, God. Okay, here's what I want. Yeah, awesome. Um, how many received, uh, uh, you would say, 100% breakthrough? Wave your hand. Look at this, guys. That is awesome. Yay, God. You should have been the ones up here praying, not me. That's what I'm having to say here. No. You, you can't get discouraged. Over here's what I want you to do. The, the group that you're in, who else needs prayer? Oh, hold on. We, is it testimony time? All right. It's testimony time. It's ladies' night. Here we go. All right. We, I think we got it. This mutes and unmutes it. Why don't you do the interviews? Denise, what's up? Yeah, hey, Wilson. So hold, the, hold the mic nice and close. So what happened? So I asked for prayer for skin cancer on my neck. There was a bump. I've had a biopsy already, and I could tell that it was coming back because wow. it was reforming, and I don't feel it. Come on. Come on. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. So the bump is gone. Awesome. Come on, Jesus. Who, who else? Was, let's have a couple more people testify. And all we did, all we did was tell the cancer to go. Yeah, yeah that's a great we idea. We didn't do anything. Well, we just good, said, good die, job. go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You didn't have to work up a bunch of language. You just took your authority. Well done. She said she didn't want the bump. Yeah, well done. Who else wants to testify? Let's get, let's get one or two other people up here. All right. We got one right here. Wilson. So what happened? Hi, my name's Missy. Um, I had I've been having shoulder issues. Uh, I couldn't lift, lift this hand up really high. Now I'm healed. I can actually lift Come it on. completely without no pain. Go pray for him. Bible says, "Freely you receive, freely give." Okay, the same way you received it, you didn't do anything to receive it. You give that away. And so I'm going to cheat and use her on uh, Tim over there. And let's just get one more. Who else uh, had, had uh, 100% breakthrough? I saw a bunch of hands go up. Listen, gang. One of the ways you keep your healing is by telling somebody about it. I'm not trying to threaten you. I'm just saying when you give boldness, there's all these hands that raised up and it's time for testimony. People are like. <laughs> all right. Uh, I came in with extreme tightness in my neck and shoulders, and I couldn't raise my hands and praise God or anything. And now it's not an issue, no pain. Come on, so. that's awesome. You got a testimony? He wants to hear, be able to hear. Yeah, we're going to pray for that in just a second. We're doing testimonies right now, so just give us one second here. Oh, I'm so. sorry. No, that's okay, that's all right. Anyone else want to share a testimony? Right here, awesome. I felt a tingling in my neck. I broke the, my neck. Wow. And uh, I, I'm hoping for when we go for the test on Tuesday, it's healed. Were you able to tell any kind of breakthrough right now? Or it tingled a whole lot. Okay, yeah. Praying. So you probably wouldn't be able to tell until they take the thing off there? Yeah. Well, so let's just stretch your hands towards her, guys, and let's just pray for the rest. Lord, we just thank you that something was initiated there. I'm just praying for you. Yeah, just enjoy it. Yeah, there's nothing profound here. Yeah, so, Lord, we just thank you that something was initiated. So, Lord, restore and make whole in the name of Jesus. Lord, just re-strengthen, reattach whatever needs to happen. 
Thank you, Lord. Are you guys noticing you don't need to fall down to get healed? Yes. Like, it's okay, it's okay if people do. You only fall when you can't stand. You don't do it to, like, honor the man of God and give him courtesy falls. And, like, it's, like, like you know what I'm saying? It's okay if you fall, but you do not need to do that. That sometimes it can... I swear, some charismatic churches, you could bring in the guy, the ice cream man off the street, stick him in a suit, have him pray, and people would fall down just because of, of culture. And so, um, but sometimes it's genuine. You just don't, don't discount that. In the name of Jesus. So you can release stuff even when you're not, like, concentrating hard, you know. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Restore your daughter and make her whole. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Okay, so that was round one. And so... Um, so those weren't actually words of knowledge that I gave. Everything I called out, I knew he wanted to heal because he already paid for it. I'm not trying to disrespect words of knowledge. I'm just, I'm just trying to let you know. Those are the things that we see healed all the time. So I thought, that sounds like fun. Okay? And so in your groups, here's what I want you to do, is who else needs prayer? Is there a pain? There's an ache? There's something there? So get the groups that you were just in, regroup back up and see if anyone needs prayer. If no one in your group does, then go hunt some people down that do need some prayer. Okay, remember again, what do you want to see happen? Release healing in the name of Jesus. Have them check it out. If there's improvement but it's not 100%, pray again. If you're not seeing breakthrough, switch people, pray again. Because his will hasn't changed. All right, how many people are experiencing breakthrough? Raise your hands. All right, look around the room. Awesome. All right, double hands going over there. That's good. If there's more people in your group that have uh, not received prayer, just make sure you switch people around. Residual hip pain from surgery all the way gone, 100%. Sweet. Uh, well, I had a ton of knee pain for about four years in, in both of my knees. I couldn't run. I couldn't jump. But once they prayed for it, I tested it. It's all completely gone. <laughs> Yeah. Hey guys, keep praying if you're praying, but if there's a, let's just get one or two more testimonies of people who got significant breakthrough or complete healing. Listen, as you share it, you might be the key to somebody else's miracle. So don't, don't be shy here. All right, we got, we got one down here. My right leg was shorter than my left, and um, we sat me down on the chair, and my left leg could touch the chair in front of me, but my right couldn't, and we prayed, and then my leg, I could feel it stretching, wow. and it touched the chair. And the pain in your back? And the pain in my back left. Come on. So good. That is amazing. That, that's a creative miracle, guys. Bone, missile, muscle, tissue being added there. Leg grew, all the pain left. So that's so good. You got one? Yeah. I've had some uh, tendonitis in my wrist, and there's, there's pain and numbness that goes through my arm and, and my fingers. 
and the pain has subsided Come on. after they prayed. Thank you, Jesus. So good. Yes. So I want you guys to keep praying as long as you want to, but I want to just leave you with this. The 10 lepers, it said, as they went, they were healed. We had um, a family that drove their son in from, um, from um, Chicago, and he was born blind. We prayed on Sunday morning. We did everything we knew how to do. We saw no breakthrough. He woke up the next morning with 20-20 vision. Yeah, yay God. So hear this message. Don't stop believing after the prayer ends. Some believers, their faith doesn't make it past the prayer. Don't stop believing after the prayer ends. Just keep staying tender before the Lord. Meditate on those stories of him healing and just look to him as healer. Remember, you're not believing in healing. You're looking to the healer. Your source is Jesus, not like a doctrine, okay? So feel free to keep praying. Bless you guys. You've been awesome. And so I'm going to turn it over to uh, Wilson or Luke or Van. Hey guys, before I go, if there's anyone here who has a terminal illness or an incurable disease, just come down here. I'd like to just lay my hands on you before we go. Hey guys, there's some more really cool testimonies happening here. You guys, you need to feed yourself on what God is doing, not what he hasn't done yet. Sometimes it's easy to get offended at God and just be like, oh, the pain's still there, this and that. Listen, if it got 1% better, better focus on that 1%. I'm not kidding. Focus on what God is doing, not what he hasn't done yet. Okay, this is going to be the fifth best thing. Ready for this? Remember when the, um, the disciples had the loaves and the fishes and Jesus gave thanks and it multiplied? When you give thanks for what God is doing, it multiplies and increases. Okay, so as God's doing it, I'm not talking about being fake, but recognizing, God, something is happening and multiplies and increases. So when you hear these testimonies, feed, feed yourself on them. So I have a bad bunion on my right foot. It's like curved and it, all the pain left and it's straight now. There's no curving in my foot with a bunion. So that's pretty cool. And then here, something happened with Cody. The Claude girls were getting at him. <laughs> um, I had a Taylor's bunion, which is a bone on the side of my foot. Uh, it's not bony. It's not bony anymore. It, it's skin. It's, it's still there, but it, it doesn't have any pain at all anymore. <laughs> awesome. So the bone is gone. The bone is off. Come on. <laughs> 